uh, uh, Psalm chapter 29. I'm going to just talk about the glory of God for a second and, and, and then take it to the church. Psalm 29 says, Ascribe to the Lord, O heavenly beings. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. And, and so he's talking to angels. He's talking to angelic beings. He said, and, and the writer said, Praise God. Give him worth. Ascribe to the Lord the glory do his name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. And the voice of the Lord is over the waters. The God of glory thunders the Lord over many waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is full of majesty. The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. The Lord breaks the cedars of Lebanon. He makes Lebanon to skip like a calf and Syrian like a young wild ox. And these are some of the areas of mountains around. And he says, the voice of the Lord flashes forth flames of fire. The voice of the Lord shakes the wilderness. The voice of uh, the Lord shakes the wilderness of Kadesh. The voice of the Lord makes the deer give birth and strips the forest bare. And in his temple all cry, glory! The Lord sits the throne over the flood. The Lord sits enthroned as the king forever. May the Lord give strength to his people. May the Lord bless his people with peace. I think about the glory of God as given to me in Psalm 29. He says, you know, you remember seeing the scenes of the flood in Japan and how it just wiped out villages just amazingly as we watch this. Like, how can that happen? And when I read Psalm 29, it says, the Lord sits enthroned over the flood. The glory of God is, is that he has control with a word over floods, things that can wipe out towns, cities, and villages. Uh, as we think about the hurricane coming through and, and the wind there, that God sits the throne over these things. The glory of God, the greatness of who God is, as we see it through extreme acts of nature and realizing God is greater than all these things and that His glory is great and, and that the angels and angelic beings ascribe greatness to the name of God. This is the glory of God, the beauty, the power, the unique aspects of who God is and His holiness. Considering that, then we read John 17, verse 20 through 23, where Jesus prays. <laughs> and He prays before the cross that night in, as He's with His disciples. He says in verse 20, I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, just as your Father and me and I and you, that they also may be in us. So the world may believe that you sent me. This next phrase blows my mind. The glory that you've given me, I've given to them. <laughs> the glory of the Father given to the Son, Jesus gives to the church. This greatness of God that sits on floods where angelic beings ascribe greatness to His name, Jesus is that glory you've given to me. I give to the church. Why? That they may become perfectly one so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them even as you loved me. I think the glory that he's talking about is the very Spirit of God. Christ in us, the hope of glory. Colossians 1.27 Why should we care? Why should we value the church? Because if we value the glory of God, the glory of God is given to the church and becomes the foundation of how we become a church through the Spirit of God.
Noe isn't the foundation of our community. It's to reflect. Our church is to reflect God's glory. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20 through 21. Now to him who is able to do more abundantly than all we ask or think according to the power at work within us. And we often, we stop there. Praise God. He's able to do more than I could ever ask or think in my life. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. When there is a group of believers dependent upon the Spirit of God, working God's Spirit and God's Spirit working through them so that the people are able to see God at work, then glory of God is given in the church. We care about the glory of God. And if we care about the glory of God, then we care about the church because the church's foundation is God's glory as asked by Jesus and it becomes the vehicle to reflect God's glory. Did you know that God's glory is not to be so evident so much in the YouTube videos of, of tsunamis wiping out villages in Japan, but it's, it's to be more so in a church, a group of believers that are dependent on God's spirit and showing the love of Christ in the community. Do you know what we have? We must cherish the church. We must love the church. We value the church because of what God says about the glory of God in the church. But we also value the church because we value God's Son. What did Jesus have to say about the church? Well, Matthew 16, 18. It's one of the first times in the Gospels we see the word church. He says, I tell you, you're Peter... And on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Who builds the church? Jesus builds the church. Well, Jesus isn't here. Yes, but he left another comforter, the Spirit of God, through whom Jesus continues to build the church. So if we value Jesus, we value the church because the church is Jesus' idea. It's his to begin with. And so there are many of us who say, well, I don't like organized church, but what do we have to say about this? I love Jesus. I just don't like his church. Well, there's an inconsistency because Jesus says the church is my idea. But not only was it his idea, he paid for the church. In Acts 20, verse 28, pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God which he obtained with his own blood. Why is Timothy written so that we know how to behave, how to conduct ourselves in God's church, because it's the pillar and buttress of the truth, but also because according to Acts chapter 20, Jesus paid for it. Jesus paid for it. This church isn't mine. This church isn't yours. It's Jesus. And he paid a dear price for it. And so we value what this is. Not only does we value church because it's Jesus' idea, not only because it's uh, also something he paid for, but also it's because he is represented and identified through the church today. We see this in Acts chapter 9, verse 4. This is the Damascus road encounter that Jesus has with Saul. Remember Saul's history? Before he was the apostle, he was the destroyer. It was his mission to destroy the faith of Jesus Christ. To, uh, he was the, one of those who 
uh, accompanied Stephen's stoning, and he led the charge, not only in Jerusalem, but to Damascus and other places, to round up believers. And is on his way to Damascus. Acts 9, verse 4, Falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? This is the voice of Jesus. Jesus had already ascended. How is it that Saul is persecuting Jesus? He's doing it through attacking the church. So we care and we value the church, not because of the glory of God. The glory of God is the foundation and the reflection in the church because of also Jesus Christ, who birthed the idea of church, who bought the church, and who is identified in the church today. So Jesus could rightly say, if you want to see Jesus in the community, have you gone to be with the church? We keep on reading. Not only because of the glory of the Father, not only because of the Son, because of the Spirit of God. We value the church. 1 Corinthians 3, 16 and 17. Do you not know that your God's temple of God's Spirit dwells in you? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. For God's temple is holy, and you are that temple. You individually and you corporately. We are the temple of the Spirit of God. When we speak against the church, when we dismiss the church, we're dismissing the glory of God and the Father, we're dismissing God the Son, we're dismissing, dismissing God the Spirit. And for us to say, I don't really care about the church, I don't really value the church, but I want God, we are lying to ourselves. When we say things like this, Ephesians 2, 19 and 22 says something similar. It says, So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but your fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure, being joined together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. One of the things I mentioned this past week, that if we are not filled with the Spirit of God, where a large portion of our church experiences that, then you are hard-pressed in the Bible to define ourselves as a church. And this is one of the reasons why. It's the Spirit of God who's building us together. If we're not listening to the Spirit of God, and, and we are dead to God's Spirit, grieving and quenching Him, we are not interacting with the church as, as God sees it. We're interacting with the church as the world sees it. But the church is not for the world, their church is for God's glory. Why else do we cherish the church? Because of the gospel. We, we value the church. We care about the church because of the gospel's sake. First of all, Matthew 28, as we read in verse 18 to 20, which we birthed the idea of the greenhouse for the Great Commission, the idea is that the gospel is declared to the church. Declared through the church. Jesus came and said to them, who is he talking to? He's talking to the disciples. He's talking to the apostles, the ones who are going to go out and build the church. He says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. Behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. He says, this is the ministry of the church to teach these things, to baptize them. Take the church and spread it around the world. Because the church is the buttress and pillar of the truth of Jesus Christ, of gospel. And it's, it's the idea that we like to see a church 
among Nosu people group. It's the idea that we want to see a church among uh, Muslims and, and Yemen. It's, it's the idea of seeing a church in the various places around the world. Because it's through the church that the gospel is spread. But not only is the church the tool that God's made to declare the gospel, but it's also the tool by which the gospel is defended. 2 Timothy 1, verse 13 and 14. Follow the pattern of the sound words that you've heard from me, and the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. By the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, guard the good deposit entrusted to you. Guard the deposit entrusted to you. Guard the gospel, the truth of who Jesus is. Guard it in your life. Do so with truth and love. Listen, this is one of the things I've shared. The greatest apologetic in our community is not some logical argument and some, some learned person that can give all the reasons why God exists and why the Word of God is powerful and effective. The greatest apologetic in our community is simply people who love Jesus and love one another. The greatest reason many people don't turn to Jesus is because they hadn't seen the church love God and love one another. And it's that influence that says, if that's the church, if that's the gospel of Jesus, then I don't really need that in my life. Do we provoke a love to one another, a love to God, that the community sees that and says, I want to know more about what this church is about? Is that drive there? So it's designed, the church is designed to defend the gospel, but it's also to display the gospel. Ephesians 3, 10-11, so that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in heavenly places that was according to the eternal, eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord. How is God's wisdom known today? What does the Bible say? Through the church. Through the church. That's why we are the greatest apologetic. Are we can be the greatest ones to turn people away. We keep on reading. Why should we value the church? Not only because of the gospel or the, the glory of God the Father, the foundation of the church and, and what we reflect. Not only because of Jesus Christ who, who birthed the church, who bought the church, who identifies with the church not because it's the Spirit of God through whom we are the temple of God, through whom we are joined together. Not because of the gospel's sake through, through the church where we declare the gospel, defend the gospel, display the gospel. But it's also through the church that we become set apart in Christ-likeness. Set apart through Christ-likeness. This is where we looked at this just not too long ago in Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4, you read verse 15 and 16. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into Him who is the head unto Christ. This is what it means to be set apart in Christ, to, to grow spiritually. From whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with, from which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Have we connected that? That if I really want to learn to love like Christ loved, I need to be in church. I need to be, I'm not just saying 
at a certain location on Sunday morning, but to be in church in relationship with God's people, where we are challenged to love. I was talking with, um, with, with someone not too long ago, and, and they were just sharing with me uh, they were expecting and a child, and they had lived the last few years apart from having a child. And, and they said, you know, one of the reasons we feel like we need to have a child is because we're just so selfish. <laughs> we just... We can go anywhere we want, whenever we want, do whatever we want. And we just feel like maybe this is something we need to do and it just help us in loving. I said, well, you know, that same argument will lead you to 17 kids, you know. Uh, just give them something to think about. Uh, but the idea is family does that, where people demand of you. Or you can simply say to someone, well, maybe you just need to get in church. And you'll have a large group of people. That will demand of you, where it requires you to deny yourself and to love as Christ loved that person. It is through the church that we are set apart in Christ's likeness. So we keep on reading. Why else do we value the church? Not only in, in that it helps us to grow spiritually, not only because it's the gospel and defending the gospel, and that it's the Spirit of God, the temple of God that is bought and purchased, identified. Birth with the Son. Not only is it because the glory of God is the, uh, the, the, the foundation as well as the reflection in the church, but also because there are people around us that if dying today, will die and go to hell. And the only hope they have is the gospel of Jesus Christ to share with them what God has done with them and their sins. And the church is the vehicle through which that happens. John 13, verse 34 and 35. A new commandment I give to you that you love one another just as I loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. How do people know that you're disciples? It's love for one another. It's our platform. You know what I mean by platform? A lot of times when we go into countries and want people to listen to us, we talk about, well, you got to have a platform. In other words, you got to have a book or you got to have some reason for people to listen to you. Why do they care about what you think and what do you say? What this says is that the reason people should care about what any believer of Green Pines should say or think is that there is a known love among one another. I'm going to just share with you one of the hard, most hardest things to endure of the last few year, last year, last few months, is when I know that there are people that are not believers in Jesus Christ, people that we've prayed for, that they would come to know Jesus as Lord and Savior, taught with, interacted with, but then they find out that there's some struggle of people in our church, and the doors seems to be closed because we were known for strife. That's one of the harder things to know and to endure. And that's why in moments where people bring to your attention, well, folks, you know, at church, they always have hard times. Yeah, they do. And the response is always humility transparency to say yeah but God is teaching me how to love people through that teaching me how to be humble teaching me how to 
confess, teaching me how to forgive. Because that is what God is doing. And to point to how love is not always beds and roses and everything clicking like it ought to be. Let's pray that God gives us a platform once again to minister to our community. To say that the reason people are going to listen to us is because of John 13. That there's a love for one another. That they'll know that we are disciples of Jesus. Acts chapter 5, verse 13 and 14. It's interesting to see how the church grew. It says, says, None of the rest dared join them, but the people held them in high esteem and more than ever, believers were added to the Lord, multitudes, multitudes of both men and women, that with the esteem of the church from the outside community, God used growth with that. In Acts chapter 9, verse 31, as you trace how the church grows in that area, the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria had peace and was being built up and walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, it multiplied. Isn't that interesting? Look, peace was being built up. And it's not the absence of conflict. That's not peace. Do you understand that? That's ceasefire. <laughs> it's, it's the peace of God that God makes as in the Beatitudes to understand that we have more things in common and we hold on to those things that are in common than things that we don't. And to treasure Christ above the things that are at points of disagreement. To have that peace that's being built up, that we're being built up in the unity of the Christ that's sent for us, walking in the fear of the Lord to say that we are under the authority of God and know the beauty of God's authority in our life and we respect that. And then we seek the comfort of the Holy Spirit, not necessarily the comfort of people, but seeking the Holy Spirit's comfort that God may use people through, but to know I want the joy of the Lord in my heart. That when this is coming in, there's multiplication that happens as a side effect. Revelation 5, verse 9 and 10 at the end, where it talks about God wrapping things up, and they sang a new song saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain. And by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. You've made them a kingdom and priests to our God and they shall reign on the earth. It's the, the hope, it's the idea that the lost people around us will become as priests unto the Lord through the love of one another, through the obedience and comfort of the Holy Spirit, through the fear of the Lord of knowing the beauty of God's authority in our life. It's as if we take this Green Pines church and they think, well, I don't know what to think about this. And we take it to God and God says, do you know what you have? It's a pillar and buttress of the truth. It's built upon my glory. It's there to reflect my glory. My son, it was his idea to start this church. It's, it's his. He bought it. He identifies with this church. It is the temple of the Spirit of God that dwells right there. It is through which I want the gospel to go into Nightdale, into all the world through this church. I've, I've created it as that, that channel of communication. I want them to defend the gospel by how they treat one another and how they love one another in the Spirit of Christ. I've, I've given this to them. It is to show my, my wisdom to Nightdale in the world through Green Pines Baptist. I, I've given it for that purpose and I want this church to, to be the distributor of the gospel throughout all the world starting with Nightdale 
and going to North Carolina, going to all the places around the world where I call them. This is that church. Do you know what you have? And to take that, to hear the words of God. And here's my prayer is that we hear God speaking to us to know what our worth is as a church. And because of the worth of who we are in Christ, that we order ourselves right. That we conduct ourselves, that I conduct myself right according to God's word. That being said, I, I want us to take us to Timothy and first and second Timothy Titus. And I want us to compare ourselves to God's word, not with just tradition, not with just the Baptist way of doing things. Not just with how we know church, because this is how we have always known church. But I pray that God would give us eyes to see how we compare and measure to God's word. That's my prayer. I'd love it if you pray it with me. That we will take the word of God and let it live in us. That we can be all that God's called us to be as a church. To be something that brings glory to the Father by His Spirit. Let's pray.